0: Uh, lesson 10 is about trusting God when we are facing death. Trusting God when we are facing death. All right. Uh, Jesus has been able to take this thing out of death. True or false? Okay. Jesus is said to have the keys of Hades but not of death. False. 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 Facing of death courageously was made possible by his faith in God as well as his godly life. Paul's expression in 2 Corinthians 5 about being unclothed is talking about the death of the person. True or false? general consensus, yeah. Somebody read from 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 6. So we
1: now Now, he that hath brought to us for the self same thing
2: as God, who also hath given unto us the parents of the Spirit.
1: Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that once we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. See that? So, while
0: after reading those scriptures, true or false, Paul's expressions about being uh, about being unclothed is talking about the death of person. Yes,
2: sir.
0: True. true. It, being present in this body means we are not. We have not yet been released to go be in the presence of the Lord. It says, "earthly tabernacle, this earthly tent." It's speaking about the body itself. This 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 body which we live in. Um, God will not leave our spirits naked, but will give His people a new spiritual body. True or false? True. true. Paul seems to have welcomed death as he grew older. Stephen's facing of his cruel death was made easier by his vision of God, the Father, and of Jesus standing at the right hand of God. True. 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 Jesus' ability to deal with the terribleness of his death came from his understanding of his relationship to his Father. True. It was said of Jesus that he was exceedingly sorrowful as he faced the trials and death that lay before him. Young people do not have near the help that older people have. Or do they not have near the help that older people do to face death? False. False. That is correct. Lesson 11 was about trusting God because adversity can build character. Can build character. Now, I want to ask some questions, see where we are with this one. It says, Number one, it says facing adversity can cause some people to turn from God.
2: True.
0: That is true. Character and maturity go hand in hand. True. true. Adversity should bring joy, not sorrow. True. true. Most people want it easy in life because it is the best way to build character. The All of you got quiet now. Oh. You say it's fault that most people want it easy. Yeah, that's true. I say it's true, but it's not the easy way to go. it. There. Okay. <laughs> you yeah, see. That's why the lady last night. Did I used to tell you about that. We no. was down, we was down at Van Buren, and there was a lady who was uh, from Cleveland, and she was saying how she was from Harvard the streets where she came from. I said, oh, yeah, Sister Aisha, her mom comes from Cleveland, she's from Huff. lady's face went, <laughs> She was like, oh, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> Evidently, she knows people quite well. I said, now, news a new here.' She was like, Huff represent. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, and that was a good experience uh, last night, uh, Miss Bridget. So um, uh, most people want it easy because it builds character. Um, Yes, they want it easy in life because it's the best way to build character. People think that it is, but it's not. Mm -hmm. All right? Exercising of one's willpower requires our making decisions and carrying through with them. True. 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 Uh, If you were to look at um, (coughs) 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Matter of fact, we talked a little bit about this last night, about five ways to thrive and survive. Uh, and you see it in 1 Corinthians 16, verses 13 through the end of the chapter, where Paul is talking, uh, and we sometimes read this just talking about the collection, but it, it was really reflecting on, it was really uh, putting a, a, a shining light on the dire straits that Christians were in at the time, but yet they still had Christ Jesus which tells us that Christians, yes, indeed, will go through some difficult times some challenging times. However, Paul says that you are to stay focused on the Lord and focused on uh, the benefit of, of others. And, uh, he, he, and he writes on around verse 13 when you see these things, these five types. One, uh, Number one is in order to survive or thrive in um, difficult times or adverse times. Now, we did define the word survive. And survive means what? Anyone?
1: How to live or
0: yeah. how to? What, is it, what does it mean to survive? You got something there? Uh, oh, what does it mean to live? To live means, uh, or to survive means, to survive means to remain alive, to exist, right? It also means to carry on, and this is important, survive means to carry on despite hardships or trauma. You've had some trauma, you've had some hardships, and it also means survive means to remain functional and usable in the midst of dysfunction, right? Now, are there times when difficult difficult situations that come in our life can cause us to be rendered unusable? like y'all trying to be right now, unusable. You're in a class, you're supposed to talk. Don't you if you allow it, I guess.
1: Huh? If you allow it, I guess. If you let your circumstance or whatever.
0: Yeah, take a you wake up, I got some kind you of up. attitude, something going on, whatever, and all of a sudden you shut down for the day. Or that wonderful, glorious, po- uh, po- uh, uh, positive character that God has put in you can't be showcased today because you own one right now. It has shut you down, right? And and the thing is, but you have to be willing to, just like Paul was writing to them, to survive that test, that consequence, that trial, that difficulty. You have to be able to survive it. And then, not only just to survive, but thrive. How would you define define thrive? Press on. What's that? Press on? Press on. All right. Uh, make the so if you have a, a muscle that is tight, that's a knot, right? You guys work on it to loosen it up so that it can become functional again, right? Mm-hmm. But not just functional, meaning for to survive. Because would you say a muscle, if left in a knot too long, would die? Uh, or it if not cared for properly? It, right.
2: It won't work properly.
0: It won't, it won't work properly, right? right? So if the muscles are. Surviving. If our muscles aren't surviving, then in reality we aren't thriving. Would you say that's true? Is that so now, so when you get that muscle, your 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 job is to get the muscle not only to loosen up, but to do what function. Um, yes,
2: to have all of its proper functioning. Yeah. So the blood flow, blood flow, blood flow. Flowing properly and everything, um, the flexibility, the pliability, the endurance, all that that's able to function, keep it functioning. Yes.
0: To so its full capacity. And usually when somebody comes, they'll come that first time and be like, this is great. how do I keep it going? Now some people just think that one time is enough, right? Some, some people think that. But what is something you have to tell them all the
2: time? Well, there's a retraining of the muscle. So in order to retrain the muscle, you have to get it back to a place where it is um, in its normal capacity um, to function properly. So you have to do things sometimes a couple times a week, you know, more frequently in order mm-hmm. to get it back to that
0: place. At what place would size Therapy play in all <laughs> of for the muscle? I, I
2: mean, mean it, pl- it plays a big play. It plays a big part.
0: But don't you say, they say, well, I just want to, this one time, you say, ah, if you want the full benefit of it, you need to do what?
2: Come back.
0: <laughs> you need to continue Can to you come. You need to do it again. You need to continue to come. You see that? So the thing is, not only do we unknock the muscle so it survives, see, the word thrive means to flourish, right? Like you explained, pliability, all of the abilities that you said uh, uh, to get the muscle working like that again, that's flourishing. Now you can get it to work to full capacity. Also thriving means to have steady pros, uh, progress and to prosper. So in order for the body to keep working like that, you say you need to keep coming back, getting therapy so that we can work some of these uh, other things into your system. Yes.
2: Well, and when you don't, if you, go, if you don't keep it up and trying to get, retrain the muscle, then you will go back. Mm -hmm. and so it's similar in that if you're not studying properly, you're not doing what you need to do, then you will fall back so it's the same for the muscle as well
0: yeah, it will start to constrict again right, so the thing is, that's the same thing with us, so the thing is we we gotta continue to we gotta continue with the therapy and coming to worship, that's therapy praying, therapy, studying, therapy Uh, uh, serving the Lord fellowship, that's all therapy and the massaging all of us are supposed to be, our souls and our minds are supposed to be pliable, right? So then God comes in with his word and he massages that muscle and to keep, to, 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 to reshape it and refocus it and get it working again. So Paul is saying in the midst of these difficult situations, there must be a way for you to survive and thrive. God doesn't want us to just survive a hardship, but he wants us to thrive in the middle of it. Right? So then what we have there, as you read right there in verse 13, says, Watch, stand fast in the faith, be bold like men, and be strong. Let all uh, that you do be done with love. So when you look at that, the first thing that he tells us, that he tells them there, and that we apply, is to be sober. Stay awake. In the midst of difficulty, you've got to stay awake. You can't be intoxicated by your problems and the issues. In other words, distracted. Can we become inebriated by, can we become inebriated by our circumstances? You can get drunk off the stuff around you. Or we can get drunk off of or start to self, we can get intoxicated by how we self-medicate. Right? And God is saying, Christian, stay sober so that you can hear my directions, hear what I have for you. Here where I'm leading you, you must be awake looking for the next word of instruction, but also to be on defense from the devil. Right? And then the other thing he says there is to be steadfast. In other words, to hold on. Just like you said, you have to continue to do this thing, right? So he says, once I start to move you out of the situation, once I start to improve the circumstances, your health, and all that, now you have to maintain it. You have to be steadfast in it. Hold on to the sound pattern of words, the teaching that you have received. Which is why we always keep encouraging people to be consistent in their attendance, in their study, in their prayer life. Because this is part of holding on and being steadfast and unmoving. Right? And then that next thing we see there is that you got to be, he said, be like me. Be a man. Be a man. In other words, be mature. You be mature. And one thing we talked about uh, 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 as Sister Sarah was there, we talked about that scripture. When Paul is saying that, he's saying you need to be ready like a you gotta be like a man who is ready to go into battle. Now, how would you describe a man that is ready to go into
2: battle?
0: is it armor on You're right, that is armor on, arm, right? What else? He's focused, right? Uh, uh, and, and, and if he's ready for the battle, is he settled? Is he at ease? Is he confident? Is he ready? for Because the, the reason why I say that is, imagine this. You put on armor, right? Now, the purpose of putting on armor is for what? Protect, Protect yourself from what? Yeah. Spears. Spears and darts, right? So then you put your armor on, go out in battle, and all of a sudden somebody fires an arrow. And you're like, what? What is what? That of game is this? They shooting <laughs> out here. But it's like, what did you expect? You go on to battle. So when you go on the battle, you gotta expect arrows, expect darts, expect bullets, and like we talked about last night, you gotta expect knives. Meaning there might be a knife in your back, a knife knife to your throat. You've got to expect that because you're going out and the battle. Because if if you're just prepared on the surface but not inside, then what will happen is, although you look prepared, when the difficulty comes, you'll soon be found out that you were not prepared at all. And what are people most apt to do when they find themselves facing some difficulty? but they don't think there it is what you say (laughs) put them track shoes on and sprint right and at some point Christians we got to take the track shoes off and stop running from every challenge see the mature face the challenge with confidence in God he's going to get me through this too the immature do what they fold up fold in flip out is that your hmm? You said what? Yeah. Yeah, fold up, fold in, flip out. Aboard. So what good is a soldier that is flipping out and running? Can't be used, right? That's why I said a long time ago, or as Shirley Susan was singing her song, God don't want no coward soldiers. Can't use none. Don't want none. Moses, when he was taking over battle, he said, Anybody who was still focused on home, go home. Anybody who's afraid, go home. Because God can't use no coward soldiers, no distracted soldiers. He wants focused soldiers, right? Then it talks about be strong. If you're gonna survive and thrive, you have to be strong. Be strong there is really about being courageous, having the courage to, to face it and stand in it to get through it, right? And then, and then the last part there was just to simply be loving. Make sure that everything you're gonna do in the midst of your challenge, and we asked this question last night, can difficulties that we face, can it interrupt the love that we have for a person. Yeah.
1: Okay.
0: How would you say?
2: Well, it, 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 just to the fact that you only uh, consume with your own your own situation, your own problem, and you just
1: don't feel like being bothered with uh,
2: That's
0: good. Know, someone else. That's good. You're so consumed with your own issue that you don't want to be bothered with nobody else. But the problem with that is, when you decide not to be bothered, because and the problem is not necessarily people, the problem is you, because you become too consumed with the issue, instead of turning the issue over to the Lord. Because guess what? There's still things in you that God wants to use. And remember, surviving is being usable and functional in the midst of dysfunction. So if you shut down shop, close off the light Cut off the lights because I just don't want to be bothered no more. Well, then guess what? Not only are you keeping yourself from being bothered by issues, you're causing yourself to be not bothered. You're, you're holding yourself back from being bothered by blessings. Because in the midst of these challenges, you find blessings. Because God allows
2: trials
0: for what purpose?
2: What did said. say?
1: The
0: to make you strong, to mature you, to, you, strong, to, to, mature you to, to crystallize your faith, to make you stronger. So, in the midst of the challenge, there's something for like you, right? And then, and you know, loving Paul was saying, Listen, we're sending this money and we're taking up money. See, here's the important part when we read was well, all the important, but 1 Corinthians 16. Paul took time away from his preaching of the gospel or added to it the importance of giving, collecting. The purpose of the collection is to remind people that this thing is bigger than you and not to be focused just on you. There are those who are in Christ with you who are suffering even more than you. And you need to think about them too. So that's why Paul says, take their needs seriously. He said, take care of all of this before I get there. If you really care, you'll take care of this before I get there. Because guess what? Before they before we had cars and all that, they were on foot a lot of times. So guess what? Once they got there, even if it was emergency and they got there and Paul gets them to get the money, then they're like, oh, let us get this together. Guess what that's going to cause? It's going to take more time. So if we really care about our brothers, our sisters, we, care, we handle that stuff up front so that when the need arises, we can be ready to take care of it. And right there, God was commanded that the, Paul was writing that God wants this done in all of his congregations, the collection of the saints, so we can take care of everyone together and everybody cannot be focused just on their own. Right, um, so and, 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 and so that, and make sure that I'm not so consumed with my issue that all of a sudden I claim to love you, but now I'm not talking to, talk to you. you. Remember how we talked about uh, the other day about learning by listening, and part of that is you have to love the speaker, the person that you're speaking to. If you truly profess to love them, then there's a way that you receive what they have to say, and you receive it out of love rather than defensive. Rather than an attack, rather than all these you, you you take it out of love first. You send and receive in love. That's if you truly claim to love the speaker. And sometimes we get caught so caught up in our stuff, we forget. Right? Does that that make sense? Anybody have a thought a question? Yes, should. Oh. Okay. Alright. Next question. Um Paul's conscience guided him to persecute Christians. True. Real character is a gift from God. Who have false? False? You have false? Why you say that, Sister Jackson? Because character um, is something
1: that we have to develop our own. Mm-hmm. Uh number two on the first page. First page number two. Real
0: character is something we build, he says. We are not born with character, nor is it automatically given to us by God. He doesn't do it for us. We put forth the effort required to be men and women of character. Right? So that real character because it's God's part of it, it's God's job and it's our responsibility. To use this up so we can, um, so that, that character can be formed. Reputation and character are, synonymy, are, syn- are synonymous words. They are Repu- false. Reputation and character don't mean the same thing? Why you say no? Okay. Uh, I, I don't remember what the
1: question
2: is but um, <laughs> the reputation. I thought your reputation was what you have what proceeds you from what from your actions before. Or does that mm-hmm. make sense? And then so your character is your personality, what you what you have developed within you to be you.
0: So reputation and character that's the question is reputation and character are synonymous. Yes ma'am. Your re-
1: your reputation comes from your character, doesn't it?
0: Yes. Yes. The type of character you have, once you care, your character, they are connected, but they're not same. Because if, if you have a character, if you're someone who is consistent, right? If you worked on being very consistent in your nature or, you know, very consistent in how you carry yourself, all that kind of thing, then people get to know you as one who is consistent. It comes from your character. So based on... Who you are, how you worked on your character—that is what you'll be. That's what you be known by. And
2: they go together. Synonymous means they are together, they're, right? It's, it's, well, synonymous would mean
0: not the same. Synonymous is like the same, but they're actually they work hand in hand. They do. All right, well, let's look at I guess the, the word,
2: definition. Is so, character is
1: who you are.
0: Let's <laughs> look up the word synonymous.
1: <laughs> so is who you are reputations what others think of you is that another way to put it or no yeah what
0: well, they've come to think of you based on who you are yes we'll look at the definition of the synonymous
1: so it says um having the same or nearly the same meaning as another word or phrase in the same language
0: okay so now look up reputation
1: The beliefs or opinions that are generally held by someone or something.
0: That's reputation? Yes. Now what's character?
1: The mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual.
0: Anybody see a difference it? See, the, see, that character is the moral makeup of a person, right? The moral makeup is distinctive to that person, the character. But And so then based on somebody's moral compass, what they think to be right or wrong, that can shape their reputation. So, reputation and character are close, which I guess, based on the definition of synonymous, they are near, they're near one another. But they're not the exact same. So technically, for that answer, we can say um, we can say true because the definition of the word synonymous is near or close in definition.
1: It's close enough to be true.
0: It's close enough. So, all right. Uh, Heroes in the Bible are people who trusted in God. True. true. Uh, but now, they're, they're, but let's, let's qualify that. Heroes in the Bible are people who, who trust in God when,
1: always, and, always.
0: Always and especially when and the times in at trouble. trouble, at the darkest times. Uh, character and, and a seared conscience do not go together. They might have something different, and we see that because it says here. Uh, The two problems with the conscience. If it is improperly taught and and accepted, it is not a correct God for us. We can allow our conscience to be seared and lose their value in our lives. Keeping a good conscience is good character building. Now notice, if improperly taught and accepted, it is not a God. So some people will mistake the conscience for the the Holy Spirit. And then some people will say, uh, I had a vision or I was told, that kind of thing. Well, if, they have a, if, that, if their conscience, if they have not been properly taught, then the way that conscience will function, it will function contrary to the will of God. It will not be in line with the Holy Spirit. See, and if they refuse to receive truth, then it becomes seared and sealed off. So then any leading or prompting that the conscience will do will be contrary to the will of God. So they may say, I had this vision, or God told me, or God put it in my heart. But when they say it, and you try to line that up with scripture, you find something completely different. You know? So if they haven't been taught and accepted the truth, then conscience will not be the proper God. Yes, ma'am? <clears throat>
1: the
0: uh-huh. Holy Spirit is is it because it is truth only? Remember, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to lead you in all understanding. Remember, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will only speak in accordance with the will of God. And so, then the Word is the, the other measuring standard. Because the word of God is a sharp two-edged sword. And it can, it, it can sever between nerve, bone, and sinew, thoughts, and intentions, and, and, and even your conscience. So when you put the word in it, and you line up what your conscience is saying to what the word says, you'll find out real quickly. And, and, but you have to always remember that the Holy Spirit only leads you to do what is in accordance with the will of God. And when you carry out those actions that it's leading you to do, you should be able to go back and find it even in his word. See? So take for instance, like David came up against the giant. Right? And and the Holy Holy Spirit, what we just talked about, in order to thrive and survive, uh, we just talked about how you have to be sober, steadfast. Right? Sober, steadfast. You got to hold on. What did David do? David was keenly aware of the situation. He knew he was facing a giant. He knew physically he could not overpower that giant. He knew that he needed God's power in order to do it. He knew what God had done for him in the face of two ferocious enemies such as uh, bears and lions. He knew what he had done then. So he took what he knew God had done and he knew what, God, what he could not do without God. He also knew that he could not do it without God, but he could do it with God, right? He also took the fact that, if you remember how David came, he saw his brothers and all the army who were afraid to go out against Goliath. David was one who said, what's wrong with y'all? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine child that has the audacity to speak against the armies of God? He clearly knew who was for God and who was against God. You see? The Holy Spirit will always let us know who is for Who was against? So that we know on whose side to stand on. Does that make sense? So then David had God's promise. He had God's providence. He had God's prompting in order to to stand and look at that giant. So with us today, we have some situations in our lives that can be considered proverbial giants. Right? Now, my conscience might say, that's a giant and God has given you common sense. So you probably need not, not even deal with this, right? Your conscience might be saying that. But conscience is guided by self-preservation. Right? But the Holy Spirit, you say, Holy Spirit says, stand, stick, be stable. Because we're going to overcome this. It's not a time to run. i got to be mature and be like a man who is ready for battle. And I, I, let me come right back around and visit that again because in 1 Corinthians 16 when he says be like men ready for battle you have to understand this when God opens a door or a new opportunity for you remember you're going out into battle so when you go out to battle to do better than what you've done before don't go out there and and not expect to be criticized you're going to battle Don't, don't expect not to be undermined you're going to battle Don't expect those knives and darts and don't, 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 don't get, don't get upset and be like, how is this happening? I thought I belonged to God. You do. But you're in battle. And in battle, there's somebody trying to kill you. The adversary, the devil, know who your enemy is. But sometimes if we are immature in our understanding, we will make the enemy the people. And we forget the Holy Spirit will say it can't be the people. Holy Spirit will say go back to the Word. Holy Spirit says that it is not flesh and blood. Huh? But it's those things that we cannot see. But if I'm in, immature and I'm not steadfast, then I won't let the Holy Spirit lead me back to the Word to correct me. I'll just go off of what I feel like I feel like God is telling me that I need to separate myself from such stress and such drama and, and blaming everybody else and not looking at, look at how you are part of the stress and drama. Do you see that? So the thing is, that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit, when you're in the middle of something, the Holy Spirit will do this. Remember how I said, whenever you come to worship and when you study, or when you pray, anytime you open God's Word and you study, God is saying one thing, come here, all the time, come here, come here. Well, the Holy Spirit is always saying this, When you're about to deal with a situation, the Holy Spirit is tapping you on the shoulder saying, let's go back to the Word. Or before you say that, let's go into prayer. Before you do that, let's remember what we learned about God. That's what the Holy Spirit is always doing. So do you see the difference? Anybody who says different is lying on the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't do anything separate. The Holy Spirit is always trying to bring forth the fruit of the Spirit, which please God, which is patience, long-suffering, mercy, compassion, all those types of things. Um, also, it says, uh, uh, oh, care, the seer conscience does not go together. So if your conscience is seer, and remember, God is trying to build your character by allowing situations, and you're not willing to work to force that character then, then, because your conscience is 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 seared, then you're not receiving the instruction that God has given you to make you better than what you are. So the two can't go together. Anybody have a thought? Question. Then there is uh, lesson twelve. Excuse me. here. You huh. let me get all the way over there.
2: I think we're conscious
0: of character. I get that. But what, what do we mean? Uh, we can allow our conscience to be seen and lose their values in our lives. All right. Uh, Titus. Titus, chapter one. She said, how is it that, what is it, how do we allow our consciousness to be seen? I'm
2: allowed.
0: Seared and lose our bag. In Titus chapter one, let's see what the Bible has to say about this here. It says, uh, it starts, he starts in verse, uh, I'm gonna start reading verse one. It says here, Paul's writing to Titus, he says, Greetings from Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I was sent to help God's chosen people have faith and and understand the truth that produces a life of devotion to God. All right. So we have Paul, right? And he's saying to to, to Titus, he's saying, he's writing, he said, I was sent to do what? Verse 1. Somebody read verse 1.
1: Paul, a bond servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life with God, which God, who cannot lie, promised before him, promised before time began, but has due time manifested his word through preaching, which
0: Okay. Now look, it says, He's a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. And no, he says, in accord to what?
1: God's what? God's what? Amen.
0: Godliness. So he was sent with a message that is in accordance with godliness. He's a word, apostle means special messenger. So he was sent by the authority of God, and he's a special messenger of Jesus Christ to help God's people shape and form God, to teach godliness and teach them and show them how to live it, right? And how to understand the truth because it's going to produce, see, when you accept the truth, when you accept the message and allow it to to live in your life, it's going to produce godly character, right? And then he goes on and he says, verse 2, this faith and knowledge makes us sure that we have eternal life. God promised that life to us before time began and God does not lie. So these are part of the things he's been sent to tell them that God, uh, there's a knowledge, he, that the godliness can make us sure that we'll have eternal life. If we'll live a godly life, we can be confident that we have eternal life. Right? And then he's going on to say, God promised that before time began. And guess what? I was sent to also let people know That God doesn't lie. Right? God doesn't lie. And then he goes on and says, And at the right time, God let the world know what the light, this verse 3, about that life. He did this through telling of the good news message. That's preaching. And he trusted me with that work. I told people that message because our God, our Savior, commanded me to. Verse 4. To Titus, a true son to me in the faith we share together, grace and peace to you from God the Father, in Christ uh, Jesus, our Savior. So he's saying, here's what we are sent to do. We share in this ministry, son. Then he goes on and says, I left you in Crete so that you could finish finish doing what still needed to be done. And I also left you there so that you could choose men to be elders in every town. So Paul has come in, he's preached. There are those who have obeyed the gospel. He said, but now they still need to be taught. Right. And they need to be taught. What? What We just finished reading those first few verses. Right. They still need to be taught. And then it goes on. He says, and you have to appoint elders in every city. Teach them that that's important, too. And then he says, verse six, to be an elder, a man must be must not be guilty of living in a wrong way. He must be faithful to his wife and his children and must be faithful to God. All right. Now. You keep on reading all that, and all that you read is what he wants taught there. So, the preaching is going forward. And he's in Crete. These are people who have just become Christians. Now, when you have Christians, there are those who are going to be receptive, and there are those who may not be receptive. Alright? But he's got to preach. Because in order to preach, the the word goes in, and it, and it it starts to teach the conscience properly. The power of the word. The power of the word will inform them of what God's will is and how not to go by your conscience. Right? Now, depending on how humble you are and how open you are to receive God's word will determine that also. So now we drop down here to verse um, uh, verse 10. And read there in verse 10 for me, uh, uh, Sister uh, Rashida. Oh, not
1: pilfering? but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our savior in all things. Verse 10. 10. Oh, sorry. I went to two. Apologize. Um, for There are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision.
0: There it is. Here's how the conscience becomes seated. They are insubordinate. Yes.
2: And also verse nine. Not holding fast to the faithful word that he's
0: taught. Right. So when you when you won't, I when you don't hold, no, we in it now. <laughs> so now when you don't hold to the word, you will become insubordinate. What does insubordinate mean? Doing contrary, Doing contrary to, to what's being, what the right thing to do is. You become insubordinate, stubborn, right? And so, when you continue down that path, see, it's going to do like a hot iron does flesh. It's going to burn it and seal it. Now, when the conscience becomes burned and sealed to the word of God, you've got a problem. Right? Keep on reading through verse 10.
1: So, um, whose mouths must be stopped, whose suburban whole house, whole households teaching the things which they ought not, for the sake of dishonest gain. One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are also liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. The this testimony is a true is true. Therefore rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of, it, oh, of men who turn from the truth. To the pure to the pure all things are pure, but those but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure but even their mind and conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but in the works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work.
0: See that right there? So Paul is talking about the nature of one of their own poets Talked about Cretans. Cretans tend to be lazy, gluttonous. They tend to be very self-centered, right? And so that is also saying you got to remember when you see these people, you go out there preaching Titus, and it's going to be people who refuse to obey. When they refuse to obey, you don't get locked up going back and forth with them. What your job is to do is silence them. You, silence, you rebuke them right there on their false teaching. Because you, you've got to shut them down. And you shut them down. And the thing is, you pin them to the word so that they're not, because all they're doing is speaking out of their conscience, out of their feelings and their desires. you got to shut that down. You know why? Because if you don't, it's going to subvert householders. When you have a person who's insubordinate, it goes through the church and it wrecks homes. It wrecks homes, destroys homes, and causes disunity, right? That's what happens, mm-hmm. right? And, and when you got folk who sit, uh, I mean, uh, in your experience, you saw that uh, coming up. You saw how that kind of talk, what effect did that have on the church? Did
2: you say what Yeah, what effect? Um subordinate so not listening not obeying what they have learned or or applying what they have learned to their lives and then it it does seep into everybody else i guess it starts to be a bad example um and then you know people stray
0: yeah because they children start to hear their parents stuff talking about folk and all that or they'll say well i know what the preacher said but here go what i'm gonna do it's real bad yes ma'am you gonna say something right right. If you, don't, if you if you're not learning, reading,
1: studying, talking about it mm-hmm. you can let some stuff get in there that that's right. not true
0: right, you got, your ear has to be trained to sound doctrine so that when it's said it sticks out like a sore thumb and, and, and you got to no, I I, you, you say what you got to say regarding that and you keep moving you put truth on it and keep going because uh, and, and Titus is saying the, the preachers, the elders, all of them, all members are accountable. But the leadership must identify false teaching, identify the subverting of households, deal with it swiftly so that they might be sound, not in their conscience, but that they might be sound in the faith. So he's not saying cut their throats and throw them away, but he's saying put, teach them correct them with the truth, and if they are sincere, then they'll become sound in the faith rather than just their conscience.
2: Yes, ma'am? So then part of that that I saw, have seen is not I guess correcting them in the truth and letting them live off of and just their conscience. And so they're ignoring things that they were doing from leadership standpoint. Mm-hmm. And so then it does just become like a pacifying or uh, placing to the people
0: instead of the truth. Yeah. And so the more you resist the word, the more that conscience becomes seen. So you're there all the time, hear all the messages and all of that, but they're not doing you any good. Because you've decided what you've decided, and ain't nobody going to tell you different. See?
2: Is that how you become seared. Yes, ma'am.
0: Yes, and, and then that that's when it leads you to that place of call being a reprobate, the reprobate mind, so that even when truth comes, they refuse to turn back. You can't tell them anything. When somebody's insubordinate, you can't tell them anything. And not only that, they will argue you down, trying to defend what what they want to do. And they try to redefine it, change it, adjust it and all that. No no matter how you spin it, if it doesn't line up, it's still wrong. It doesn't matter what you think or feel about it. And that's very important. Not that you can't have opinions, not that you can't have thoughts, but at the end of the day, when compared to the Word of God, the Word of God is all that matters. Because in it is the power to save souls. Right? And I have these kind of, these kind of things with people all the time. They'll be arguing with me over something that is purely their opinion, and they like doing it, like thinking that way. And when I show them truth, they will still try to be steadfast and Argue, argue, argue. And they'll try to redress the conference. They'll try to regress, take the question and redress it or, or readdress it uh, four or five different ways. I'll strip it down each time. They dress it up with something different and try to run it back through. I'm like, come on. Now, nah, I ain't just fall off the back of the turnip truck. You know? So you've got to think, and y'all know what I'm talking about. If we thought about it, we could come up with all kinds of things. I remember the time. Maybe it was Isa Watkins Road. No, Miller. I remember I had a brother come over from. Uh, he came over. He came over from what is that over there? Alcar Road. Trevor. Remember the time Trevor came over to uh, Miller Avenue, and he came over and he did a he did a whole study on gambling. A whole study on gambling. I
1: remember that.
0: Scripture, top to bottom, laid it out. Right. Took questions and everything. Even after that, folks still want to argue about what is or is not gambling. Anytime you place in a bet and there's money on the line and there's a chance you can lose it,
1: that's gambling.
0: Yes. Now you left out part of that, Sister Wilson. You know you left out part of that,
1: because
0: mm-hmm. they say go to it and then do the survey. Right. Because sometimes they're just trying to, really they're just trying to get you to do the survey. Yeah. See? So they want you to do the survey, and that's now that's about your motive, your motives, and your intent. Are you going to do the survey to help them out, or help them, or are you going to try to win something? To but, <laughs> but still, you could help out though. You know, it's like people used to argue down Publishers Clearinghouse Publishers Clearinghouse Gambling Plus you're going to end up with a bunch of books You're never going to read Yeah, yeah And you know how people used to be real tight on cards Back in the day uh, We can playing cards Preachers like, Don't play no cards, that's the sin to play cards And the reason why Is because cards in and of itself Isn't bad but see, it puts you right on the line of doing something your admin is doing. Bet. Because what you know, they're like, people say, oh, I don't play the card, but I ain't betting no big money. Mm-hmm. But are you betting money? If you bet money, I don't care if it's a penny. You're still gambling.
1: Yes? Question. So, as a family game, if I'm just playing poker, we're not playing for no money, we're just playing with chips. Is that still considered gambling? Does anybody, is anybody some money exchange in your hand? No. No money, no cash, no nothing. That's a different
0: story. Okay. Because just chips, it is not money, it's not going to disrupt your life. Right. But can gambling in any way, shape, or form disrupt your life? You okay. better believe it can. Because even those who win, you always got to compare what they've won to how much they spend to win. I won $500,000. Yeah, after you spent $5 million. You still in a hole? Yes. See, this is how it happens. Now we go from chips to crackers. Next thing it'll be toothpicks. Not having crackers, that's not going to disrupt your life. It's not. It's not going to become a, unless you become a cracker addict.
1: Okay. well then, I have an example about playing with money that's not going to disrupt your life. And that's that game, left, right, center, that we play. And we play with $3 worth of quarters, left, right, center. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone has to have $3 worth of quarters. $3 worth of quarters is not going to disrupt my life.
0: But well, can it disrupt no. somebody else's?
1: No. Anyone that's sitting down with $3 worth of quarters, no. It's not disrupting their life.
0: Here's the thing. There's two things with the, with the cards. Number one, sitting down. Oh, and it's
1: not cards, it's dice.
0: Or dice. <laughs> but here's the thing. you got to also remember, he says, avoid any appearance of evil. And we're supposed to be people who are sanctified and separated from the world. So there's nothing we, there's, we shouldn't have, there shouldn't be anything that we choose to do. Now there are things that we have but nothing we choose to do that can cause people to be confused. Right? So that's one thing. That was why grandma was saying, don't play no cards. Because everybody else play cards now, and that don't look right. And there's something to be said for that. But then when it comes to the quarters, here's the thing. We've come to learn that gambling is an addiction. And some people can get caught up in betting, 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 betting anything they get their hands on. So it might not be you, but maybe somebody else at the table. Somebody else, they get that that in their system and before you know it, they're doing it everywhere. You know, it didn't disrupt your life, but it could disrupt theirs, because at the end of the day, do we have to play this game? No. And then when it comes to gambling, people all say, Well, I can gamble because I've paid my bills and done all this kind of thing. Well, let's go back to the rich, let's go back to the rich man. Even if the rich man with his full silos, right? He, he said, I will eat and drink, and be merry. Now, even if he had paid all his bills, right? And and, 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 and fed some folk, is there still some folk he could have done something good for? Yeah, there's still, this little money that I'm using right now still could benefit somebody, could still benefit the Lord. It still could. So instead of me just throwing it around, let me use it for the for the benefit. Now people say, that's, but it's my entertainment. Okay, hold on to that as long as you want. But I'm still saying, all those resources belong to God. And they can be used in a better way. And the thing is, I don't need to gamble because God is going to give me everything I need anyway. And then some. So it takes me back to the to the argument always. Somebody, and they've been saying it for years. As long as I've been preaching, people will say, well, Brother Johnson, you say this, but if I went out and, and, and hit the Powerball and then wanted to give you $20 million, you trying to say you wouldn't take it? That's what I'm saying. I don't want it. I don't want it. They say, well, the money don't know where, where it came from, but I do and you do And God does. Now I was all right before. Gonna be all right after. So you keep that twenty million dollars.